Hello everybody, Mariner here and welcome to Net That Hall and the games, Game Week 6 Matchup Show Reviews. As always, with uh, my old mates, FPL Lens, Gabriel and Lucian, FPL, or is it teacher, underscore teacher, or yeah, underscore teacher, how are you doing, chaps? Hello. We're on opposite sides of the of the of the timeline here. It's a it's a nice bright start to the morning for me. Uh, I'm excited to get to this show because there's there's some crazy things that happened this weekend. And then Lucian in, in the dead of night. Yeah, that's how it goes, right? I mean, uh, yeah, I, I I am just looking forward to get sleep because all the matches are reviewed pretty early and pretty well since everything ended on Sunday. So I'm quite glad. Yeah, it's a quick turnaround, huh? Quick turnaround. In fact, all the games being over in two days is, is actually quite nice. But anyway, there we go. At least we can get things going. So without further ado, let's dive in, shall we, and see what uh, delights Game Week 6 brought us. Well, if you remember last week, guys, I think we only had two players who scored 10 points or more who were owned by more than 10% of the game at this time as you can see i've highlighted them it's two four six eight ten players hence the fact that even with 67 points i still took a green i still took a red arrow because there were a lot of points around mm. here this weekend weren't there um i mean just very quickly sat top of the uh, tree there is a certain kieran trippier I want to tell you a story about that because I reckon he <laughs> saved my hide because I still took a red out and I owned Kieran Trippier. I think that tells you how <laughs> essentially how precarious my position at the moment is with FPL. But Trippier sat there 35% owned, hardly anyone on Twitter, 18 points. Then Mitoma, 14. Tarkovsky, 14 points. I mean, Pritford didn't keep his clean sheet, but hey, someone returns for Everton at least. Obviously, Hyunmin Son, who was on our uh, thumb there as well. Saka with a flag now. Uh, Bruno Gimenez from Newcastle. Johnny Evans, we'll come on to this later. And then, Gabe, <laughs> and then, uh, I'm so sorry. I think this is the second time I've stitched you up in three weeks. Um, the Tin Man. Dan Burn, 12 points along with Botman. Your treble up would have worked. Would have Ooh. smashed it this game week. So, yeah, yeah it would have worked. <laughs> but, saying that, they, but saying that, did you expect that Newcastle were playing 11 strategically placed wheelie bins this week? <laughs> No, I, I didn't expect well, it to be uh, cones what they were. on the opposite side of the field. <laughs> They're just cones, yeah. Yes, yeah, <laughs> awesome. Just you can't yeah, predict just the some... burn goal. No, no, you can't. But uh, I think suffice to say that uh, should we say uh, our friends at Sheffield United were not very good. Anyway, let's keep going. Uh, let's dive straight in. And Lucian, I want to first firstly cover. Uh, Crystal Palace against Fulham, which 
was a very disappointing nil-nil draw. NetXG didn't see that, 1.89, 1.88, Fulham 1.16, so Crystal Palace 1.8, Fulham 1.16. My fixture difficulty also, like Crystal Palace, uh, Zonals benefited Palace and everything else benefited Palace, but Leno, <laughs> is that it? <laughs> Over to you. Right. Uh, I'm not sure whether there's an error with my side, but there are li there's literally no text on the slide, so I'm just going to go through what the notes uh, I have here. I don't know why the it's there. I mean, I've yeah. just used the slides from, I've pulled the slides off the previous presentation, so I have no idea. So maybe anyway, if you've got the notes anyway, it's, it's no problem. Uh, I mean, I was, I was, anyway. was going to say it was a brilliant pun, right? Nil, nil, no notes. Yeah, it's absolutely perfect. That might, might well be suitable. I don't know if the others got notes. No, none of them are. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, no. The, so the slides were made for the slides were made for the show last week. Um, anyway, the, the the analysis is in the thread, not not the slides for the show because I'm updating the metric manually, so that takes more time. Right. Okay. So here we go. Yeah. So there there was this theory that was yeah. Let's go. Let's go. So there was this theory that was surfacing about Edouard being the talisman instead of Ebre Eze, whereas Eze here would be the flat track bully against a relatively leaky Fulham. Well, the unfortunate thing here was that Edouard himself also pulled out wide to do a lot of selfless work. So the thing about Crystal Palace really is that we know that they are quote-unquote defensive but it's more of a reluctance to attack rather than you know them actually taking the lead and sitting on that lead um whereas for fulham i think we can officially say now that andreas Pereira does not play number 10 at all he's strictly on the left side and what we have seen now since Pereira has played on the left side for multiple games now is that he has started to forge a partnership with william on the left flank and Robinson at left back. The same thing is happening on the right side. And it's just a matter of who creates chances first. Because the fascinating thing, at least compared to game week one, right, was that usually with any side in football, you assume that the right flank creates for the left and the left side creates for the right. But this is completely different. <laughs> the left side actually creates and shoots for themselves. Exactly the same on the right side. So I think this is one of those chances where one of those teams, sorry, where if you look at Fulham and you look purely at their zonal data, you can assume that they create and shoot from the same side. You can completely ignore Raul Jimenez, <laughs> but everyone else is purely zonal based. Um, Gabe, I'm just looking at the statistics of this one. It doesn't make very good reading. It's even worse considering I brought Edward into my team who is now injured. So there's the first rant on its way any, any minute, any time soon. Now, I'll tell you why there's going to be a rant. How come Crystal Palace have all of a sudden turned from a team who were attacking to a team who can only generate 0.52 XG and no big chances against Fulham at home for crying out loud? Did you spot anything? What they're doing wrong? Or, I mean, have I, I mean, clearly I'm going to have to take Edward out because he's bloody injured, but, you know, What's gone wrong? I mean, for, from my perspective, I, I think um, Lu Lucian hit the, the nail on the head when he said that Chris Crystal Palace has a reluctance to attack. And, and I think that there's relatively strong defensive numbers probably um, bear that out. That's probably the, the impact of that. 
Um, so, so Roy is settling more for defense than attack. But I think additionally, it's not, you know, shifting the talisman role away from Eza. It makes no sense to me. Like, um, so, so I, I think that that whole approach, like for for the season in in general, has been especially against. Like, I get that against stronger opposition. Right, um, where you want to use your more periphery assets since the stronger opposition can take out can 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 take away the option of the talisman, but and that's why I said flat track bully against Fulham at home. Every ball should have been funneled through as a as a should have been taken on taking people on one v one. None of that happened. Roy's not letting his team attack that way. So, I mean, Crystal Palace are you know it's part of the attacking theme of the season for several teams from which we expect differently. Arsenal being one of them, Palace is another one. Even Fulham playing Andres Pereira on the left hand side. The, these are constipated teams from an attacking perspective. <laughs> anyway, talking about constipation, um, I suppose we go on to the next game, which is Luton against Wolves. So, um, <laughs> Luton seems running away. Interestingly enough, uh, it was 1 1 in the end. Um, and of course, Morris got his goal just to piss me off, along with Cabore with an assist as well. But anyway, there we go. Um, 1.57 net XG uh, for, for Luton, um, 1.2 for Wolves. Um, from the perspective of the fixture difficulty, again, Luton slightly over Wolves, but I think this just sums up how bad Crystal Palace were when Wolves get more XG away from them than Crystal Palace do at home. And Wolves have been blooming horrible, apart from one player now. Again, Pedro Neto. He is involved in an awful lot now of what Wolves do, as we called it the other week. Now he's down that left-hand side, Lucian. Um, Let's talk about the game, and then I think I'm going to very quickly touch about Luton and whether with whether they are worth considering this week. But anyway, okay, uh, Lucy, first of all, of the game itself. Well, <laughs> I'm going to demystify a few things now. This is an episode of Mythbusters. Pedro Neto did not play on the left. He started Isn't on it? the right. Yeah, Huang played on the left. This game. Uh, secondly, Wolves are absolutely horrendous. Um, when I say horrendous, I, what I mean is that they did not even get their tactics right. Luton absolutely dominated Wolves. You heard that right. And this is down to a Gary O'Neill tactical error. Like You can even look at that Pedro Neto goal. He basically ran down the entire right side just to dribble past Lockyer and, and finish you know, past uh, Kaminsky. So, <laughs> I mean, what can I say? I, I think... First and foremost, Luton switched to a more aggressive formation. We were trying to guess which side of their 3-5-2 would do better. And this game, they switched to a 3-4-3. They played three forwards. <laughs> they actually, yeah, played three forwards. And Morris had two wingers alongside him, uh, Benny on the left and Jacob Brown on the right. So this new 3-4-3 aggressive formation basically bullied Semedo into submission so often. And it forced that stupid red card out of Belgard. I think the red card changed a lot of the game. But honestly, before the red card, Luton were absolutely dominating Wolves. And Wolves ironically got more control after the red card. Anyway, that Kaboria assist and then Morris penalty, there's this running joke now among Wolves fans <laughs> where it's a monthly occurrence that the referees have to apologize to us. <laughs> they, they said sorry to us for the Man United penalty. They said sorry to us for this penalty because the ball came off 
Yoel Gomez's leg before it touched his arm. So technically, that's an illegal penalty. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. <laughs> so we didn't deserve uh, the result. Yeah, but that's how it is. Ah, uh, well, I mean, look. I mean, actually, I just looked at uh, the sofa score. I looked at his heat map, but actually, Neto spent nearly as much time on the left as he did on the right. Actually, um, according to the heat map, anyway. But I think he was all over the pitch as much as anything. But Gabe, um, I come on to you now. Um, I, I mean, I'm still very agnostic about Luton. I, I, I don't get the hype, quite frankly. Wolves are not necessarily one of the better sides away from home, let's be fair. Um, they did generate quite a bit of uh, XG, though. 1.75, two big chances. And Morris, of course, is involved. Is he maybe the only option? I mean, Luton generated 1.75 XG, right? NetXG has, you know, 1.57 for NetXG. So that, that was, I mean, if we look at it as um, as, as comparable, it's, it's, it's pretty close there. I don't know what Wolves' XG was, um, but when, when Neto, when he would shift to the left, he would play, like in this one, in this match at least, he played deeper. So he played on the right, he played further forward, and that's what obviously like where the goal came from. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, Lucien nailed it. Like Wolves are like, I guess this year's Brighton when it comes to the referees. Um, like every week, it's just egregious error after egregious error. I mean, and this time it favored at least a small team uh, like Luton. At least it didn't favor fucking Man United. Um, sure. So, but 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 I have to say, and I, and I don't know, I mean, I, I've been saying this from, from Luton's first game against Brighton. I think they're better than we think they are. I really do. I, 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 think, I think there's something there in, in like adaptability. They have a couple of interesting players. Um, I mean... They beat they beat Wolves on, on on tactics in this one. I think we're gonna see Luton grow as just as a as a professional side over over the season. I think that's gonna happen with with all these promoted sides, um, like Burnley as well. They're still getting their identity. There's a lot of changes there. Um, it's gonna have to probably probably wood, isn't it? <laughs> uh, no, Sheffield United. I think are who the, who we think they are. <laughs> Anyway, we'll talk about what goes on. Uh, um, Chris, uh, sorry, tomorrow. Chris, can I can I just add one last point before we move on? Mm -hmm. uh, you talk mm -hmm. about Morris having big chances, right? Um, I think it's fair to say that everything changes after the red card. So if you look, you want to guess who had all the big chances prior to the 36th minute when Belgarde got sent off? You want to take a guess who got the most XG before the 36th minute? I have no idea. No idea. Jake. Jacob Brown with two big chances and four shots in total in that half an hour himself. So I'll move on from there. I don't even know him. I don't pay any attention to Luton at all. I've got to be honest. I just look at Morris and Kabore and my old mate, um, Marvellous. Just got to decide whether to play him or not next week. That's the question. Anyway, let's keep going uh, before we get stuck in Kenilworth Road for, in someone's front, in someone's front, uh, front room. On Kenilworth Road. Let's let's keep going to Manchester City against Nottingham Forest. And yes, after ten minutes or so, I think we were thinking, oh, here we go. It wasn't long, was it? I don't think. Um, Manchester City one point nine eight, Forest one point eight three xg. Gabe, um, uh, we had two point seven for attack and defence. And finally, Manchester City get to clean sheet. 
and maybe that's the level of fixture difficulty we actually need but maybe we didn't expect him to keep it against forest quite frankly um obviously the the rest of it all the other matchups are like traffic lights red and green but you'd expect that wouldn't you um foden and highland and then of course of course what happens and how many times have i been hit by this this season a red card comes and then my player gets substituted. I cannot tell you how many times that's already happened this season to me. I think it's three now. Um, Alvarez sacrificed, which completely <laughs> pissed me off. Um, and of course, no, the player no, I took out Doku, two weeks ago. Doku was sacrificed. No, but Doku was sacrificed, not Alvarez. Alvarez was off, though. He went off, though, didn't he? He did go off. But from from field. the red card, it was it was Doku, right? Well, I have no idea. But anyway, who cares? He went. No, it was Alvarez. Um, I, th I think it was Alvarez. I have no idea. Lucian, over yeah. to you. Maybe I'm talking shit again. Possibly. No. Possibly. Uh, yeah, Alvarez was the one sacrificed for Ake. Doku played the entire ninety minutes because right. um, City City needed width. Yeah. City needed to maintain width. So um, that was the plan, really, to have multiple pronged threats against uh, Nottingham Forest here. I think the notes say that Doku was supposed to square up against Aurea, and Steve Cooper did something clever. He actually had Aurea as a as an outside centre-back alongside Ola Aina. So he had two full-backs, Mark Doku, the entire game. So instead, Rodri, instead of trying to shove things down the left side, he did all these clever switches down the right. So it was basically a long ball from Rodri from centre to right, finding Walker, crossing for Haaland, oh, sorry, crossing for Foden, first goal. And it was pretty much the same pattern. Like, as long as Alvarez gets the ball between the lines, something dangerous happens for City. It's just that because City rely on such fine margins, right, to have Foden or Alvarez receive the ball between the lines, it's such a low percentage play. Like, other matches have me, you know, writing like more than half a page worth of notes at least. I can cram all of my City notes and data literally into like half a page, less than half a page, because City just generates so few shots and they don't do anything else with it after they take the lead. That's the new Manchester City this season. Um, a quick note on Awani as well. He did have a beautiful chance missed, but really Awani was just like Carlton Morris, just another facilitator. He set up Morgan Gibbs wide multiple times only because the two wingers didn't start the game. But eventually Ilanga and Callum Hudson-Odoi did come on and they had multiple chances themselves. So that's about it. Forest failing to come back from 2-0 down. Uh, well, I mean, look, um, and I actually thought that Forest would, um, I thought they would have scored. I mean, as it happens, the red card obviously shut up shot to a certain extent, Gabe. 2-0 um, was a bit of a damp squib, really, for Manchester United, uh, Manchester City from a perspective of owners, right? I suppose. Well, I'm... I mean, Manchester City had only had 1.33 xG in the game, and Forest had one xG. So that, I mean, I, I think again, yeah. net xG, um, it's coming pretty close to predicting the the xG of the lower teams, and it's usually pushing one where people think it's going to be much lower. But but I will say, I, I was right. Doku came off first in the in the 51st minute, came off for Calvin Phillips, and then Alvarez came off later in the 57th minute. What time was Rodrigo sent so, off? Doku was like right at the beginning of the second half. 
And then was um, right. Doku was, I remember, and Doku I, was, I was substituted for Cal. So, so Doku was substituted for Calvin Phillips in the 55th. And, um, and then Alvarez came on for Nathan Ake in the 57th. Um, so they it were both, the they, they were both victims. Seriously, man. <laughs> <It is. laughs> I don't know who the most transferred player is for this week, but uh, we can talk about that one. You don't want to know. I'm not bringing him in. By the way, there was 10 yellow cards in this game and one red. I think this is another thing. We've already that been red to a point where some... Yeah. Anyway, uh, Brentford against Everton. Let's keep going, boys. Uh, what happened in this one? Well, 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 well. What did we say about Brian and Bumo? He doesn't do much, but he pops up and scores. This week, he just didn't do much. <laughs> he didn't do much at all. And, and of course, my goalkeeper in Flecken seems to be poorer and poorer, the selection, by the minute, gentlemen. Um, finished 3-1 to Everton. Um, they're generating quite a lot. Chances, quite frankly. Um, 1.7 you had Brentford at net XG, Gabe 1.32 Everton. Uh, my fixture filter thought Everton were going to get defeated, uh, as did all the other matchups. But a different Everton turned up, Lucian. Maybe a different Brentford did, <laughs> or maybe Paul. Uh, well, <laughs> tell us about it, Chris. You are quite right. It was literally a pretty different brand. It was literally a pretty different Brentford, simply because uh, the notes say that uh, Shader on the left side will punish Everton's right. Unfortunately, Shader suffered from a groin injury, so Keen Lewis Potter started on the left. Rico Henry remains a solution yet to be solved because Aaron Hickey started on the left, and they brought in Mads Roseleff, who was replaced by Ayo on the 60th minute. So Brentford are figuring things out with literally a new team, <laughs> new fullbacks, new left wing, and Mbomo has to do a lot of donkey work facilitating the right side. So, yeah, when literally your entire plan A fails because they succumbed to injury, what do you have left? Set pieces. <laughs> this game was literally a battle of set pieces where Brentford scored from theirs. Oh, sorry, Brentford didn't score from theirs. Like, Matt Jensen somehow is coming good for Brentford. But Everton basically scored from all their set pieces. The Corys, Tarkovskis. Like, I think the only consolation here is that DCL might be contesting a spot as the number nine now, even though Beto did such good work. Um, so Everton, I think, will keep their starting 11 because the Corey outright as a number 10 is a good player in a shit team. So it comes down to whether you want to invest in Everton at all. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, it's, it's as vanilla as Dwight McNeil right now, this Everton side. I can't comment much more because that's how the game went. It's just a piece of left, right, long ball, left, right. And yeah, that's how she, that's, that's all she wrote. I'm going to be brutally honest. I don't think I want to invest in either of these two teams right now. The trouble is I own two Brentford. Yeah. What do I do? Selling? Is it getting to that point? Is it starting to get to a point where Mbumo's now possibly a, a sell? I've been thinking this sort of like in the back of my mind for two or three weeks, and he's he's been doing bits, but I'm starting to think now he's maybe a dead man walking here. I I, I think the bits and Bumo has done is, have been a little um, random, let's say, 
and and I went against Mbomo on my wild card because I I didn't think this matchup was good for him, and I don't think the the next one against Forest, right? They play Forest next. Forest away. Wow. Pretty pretty Thank sure Brentford no plays idea. Forest away. Um, Forest away. I I don't think will be an, an easy matchup for for them either. And like 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 Lucian said, um, their left side is injured. The left side is where they do all the things that enables the right side, right? Where they have all their possession, where they do all their passing, where they create their chances. And that serves to isolate Brian and Boma on the right side, giving him those kind of like random or, or um, random chances he's been putting away or chances of penalty or whatever. So, yeah, I, I think, um, I mean, I'm sure you have other fires other than Brian and Boma right now against Everton. I'm going um, you. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But anybody on wildcard um, this week or last yeah. week, I, I don't think Mbomo is, is is the right way to go. Um, I think you're going in a different direction, especially with the fixtures that are about to swing. Where do I start with fires? Where do I start? Madison, Saka, possibly, Edward. Uh, oh, and of course, uh, Gusto, three match ban as well. Yeah. And Chilwell. Can I have another wildcard? <laughs> anyway, oh, let's get shit. I hate it. Right, Burnley against <laughs> Manchester United. <laughs> oh dear me! Here's another one. Um, here's another game which um, I think actually Beyond Net XG probably pretty much nailed here. Um, just slightly out on the numbers, but certainly the uh, the context I think is pretty clear. And that was that there weren't there wouldn't be many goals. Is that what you was you were looking at it? From a perspective, I thought there would be more goals. And in fact, for example, um, you know, shots in the box at 10.3 for Manchester United uh, probably looked favourable. And I'd say it just had to be bloody Bruno Fernandes to score just to really, just to really rub my nose in it as well. Um, Lucien, uh, I still own Rashford. I have a Funny feeling that he is going to survive because I have too many other fires to deal with right now. But I am pretty low on Manchester United, if I'm honest with you. What about this? I one? mean, who who isn't right? I mean, the problem with Man United <laughs> is that if, if Man United somehow win this game week three nil, would you assume they'll win next game week three nil? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, the slides here actually said that yeah, ten frauds, a nonsense tactic this time. Well, he's basically Hannibalized his attack by starting Hannibal in the number 10 position. And that basically shoved Bruno to the right side. Rashford was isolated on the left. And you have Johnny Evans as their chief source of creativity. Well, not exactly. I'd say that uh, throughout this game, Man United did nothing right offensively. Instead, they relied on Burnley's mistakes to get their best chances. So yeah, Bruno's individual brilliance was great. And that's what Bruno Fernandes does, you know, taking the game, scruff of the neck, those cliche things. Um, but I think a more pressing question involves Burnley because Burnley are part of the double game week coming up, right? At this stage, after six games, you'd think that Burnley would be thrashed enough times to give up on their possession style of football. And especially without their center forward, right, Lau Foster, they've decided to play Amduni alongside Kolyosho and... I don't even know who the third forward is. Might be Goodmanson, but he came off injured. So 
um, yeah, Burnley basically are deciding to stick to their passing philosophy, make all the mistakes they can make, and rely on their front three or front four to come good. That's how it goes. I mean, Burnley, I've only played one game away from home as well so far this season, obviously. Um, I'm just looking for which game that was because they didn't actually do too badly with respect to their statistics. Who were they away to? I'm trying to find it. Um, who did they play? Uh, they were away at Forest, which probably is not necessarily that easy. And they only conceded one chance, one big chance, and 0.83 xG at, at Forest. So, you know what I mean? I, I think they're probably a tougher nut to crack, maybe, than obviously they, were, they got battered by Spurs, didn't they? Maybe it's up and up to crafting our game. Um, what's your perspective of Burnley? Is it going to be an easy? Uh, how hard are they going to make it for Luton, for example? What's, what's your perspective of that? I I respect Burnley for for sticking to that to, to their philosophy, their passing, their mid block, their passing philosophy. Um, when and even even in the face of results and in the face of like look they have new players trying to integrate all these new players in this complicated system and and company he's just going for it so i so i respect that kind of commitment um you know that, that may you could argue that, that that maybe they should have a little bit more of an eye of responsibility like don't commit for forward for example um you know goodmundson um Duny, Koliosho, and who's the other one Brownhill, even Brownhill. No, 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 it's it's, it's Eric Ramsey. Sorry, it's sorry, it's Aaron Ramsey. Oh, <laughs> the Aaron Ramsey. Ramsey yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right, Ramsey. Um, so, but but I, I don't know. And like I said, I, I think there are players here. Certainly, and FPL Banger has been um, banging this drum. Uh, Koliosho is is very interesting. Koliosho was the furthest uh, advanced um, product of Connecticut here. So, um, if if I were investing in a double game week, if I were like dead ending into the double game week or something like that, I would probably look for a player like Koliosho over a player like Morris. Um, I just, just based on what I've seen on the field and the the mentality, the the philosophy of the team, I think I think there's probably more upside there. Um, the pens may swing it, but um, but I I don't know. I, it's uh, <laughs> target Burnley I, unless you're Manchester United. Yeah, I mean, Andouni actually, from players who are actually available right now, actually tops the involvement, just looking at it. But, but yeah, I mean, yeah, not really much, I don't think. I don't think I'd be going anywhere near Burnley, quite frankly. Um, anyway, right, uh, let's keep going. In fact, I think we've got a half-time break. We have. Here's the half-time break, and I'm afraid the... <laughs> I thought that... Hyperlink there was in a different colour. Maybe it was before I uploaded it onto this stupid screen stream yard crap. But anyway, there we go. Football content awards, everybody. We've made it again. Um, little old net that hall have been nominated in two finals this year. We've made it for the podcast quite incredibly, considering we're so visual, but also. Uh, for the video, which is the one that I would have expected we would have, or would have liked to think we would have made it for. Uh, anyway, everybody, you've all got, me, got us this far. Now you've got to do a little bit of a giant killing act. 
So we, we really, really, really would like your votes. So go to footballcontentawards.com forward slash voting and you'll see that drop down and go and find best in fantasy football and hit net that hall for podcast and net that hall for videos and then get everybody to do it. Lucian, I expect you to spend the entire weekend going around Kuala Lumpur getting people to um, go for net that hall, my friend. I teach eight classes of 20-plus students each, so I expect 100-plus votes. Excellent bribery and corruption. Right. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, not honestly. We, we, need, we need everybody. We need everybody you can get, right? Please vote for that, that hall. We would really love it. Um, but you know what? Just getting there is an achievement for us, and that is the key. Massive. And, of course, John Terry is attending... The reward, the, 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 the award ceremony again, Nima, our John Terry, who will bound to celebrate with everybody else. <laughs> but please, <laughs> please, it would be amazing if we could pick the award up ourselves. Um, I, I unfortunately was planning on being in the country that week, but I'm now not. It's changed. So I will not be there. But no, thank you so much for getting us to this point. But please vote for that whole. We would really love your votes. Right, keep going. Now, what did we say with this one, Gabe, in the matchup show? We had a little, Nima and I had a little bit of a do, didn't we? What did we say? <laughs> I think I said it was going to be 2 2, didn't I? Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm quite sorry I said it was going to be 2 2. I said I still couldn't defend for Toffee, and I was right. Right. Um, and. I genuinely thought that players like Sun, people like that, would turn up, and they did. As did Madison, finally, for me as well. But then he got what looked like a horrible, horrible injury. Now, I'm hoping he's okay, but that looked nasty. Um, This one then, Lucian, had Arsenal slightly up on Spurs. 2.23 net XG against 1.61, but it got a 2-2 there, I think. I would argue net XG saw 2-2. My on the other hand did think that Arsenal would probably do a little bit better. And in fact, probably if you look at the matchups on the XG plus two, uh, two against 1.3, shots in the box 12.3 against 6.3. But of course, you know, this is some of this data is post ang isn't it? Or pre ang I should say, pre ang And therefore, uh, Lucien, what's your view on this? And in particular, I think Spurs are starting to show that they've got something about them this season. You know, being able to go to Aston and get a result, there's something there. Yeah, over to you. Uh, well, I think we got to give props to Gabe for making the slides and getting this like 120% spot on. I can't even say it's 100% because Saka against Udogi was basically the theme of the entire game. Arsenal, as usual, lean on their right side and try to isolate Udogi as much as possible. So beneficiaries early on were Jesus, who started on the left wing instead of Martinelli or whoever it is. And yeah, Gabriel Jesus had a few decent chances early on. And then he also mentioned Madison, son, you know, Think the whole world can guess those names but still i think it takes balls to own both against arsenal and um the most important thing here is that because we have such a frequent amount of games between quote unquote top six sides right you're left to choose between players that can do well in big moments you know 
people who come in so-called clutch. And yeah, it, instead, it was all about mistakes. Spurs made so many mistakes at the back. Arsenal made equally as many mistakes at the back. And that led to a lot of Spurs and Arsenal's big chances as well as their goals. So I think that's going to be the theme of this um, month at the very least. That A lot of big teams, small teams, teams all across the table, they're going to make plenty of mistakes unless you are Crystal Palace. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, I mean... Gabe, I mean, look, I mean, Saka's blown away Arsenal with respect to uh, other players now, with respect to involvement. He certainly seems to be the asset there right now. Um, Son is topping Spurs' involvement now. Um, it's going to come a stage where we're going to start to struggle to get all these players into our teams, I think. Um, but, I, I mean, you know, from your side of things, um, Spurs... Tell me, you know, how, you know, what's what's your perspective on how they coped with it? I, I thought again, they, I mean, clearly they've they've got a bit of character about them this year. Yeah, and I, I think um, I love that battle, uh, the, and the early stages between Nudogi and, and and Saka. I I thought, uh, I, you know, and Nudogi was, I thought he was stepping up to the challenge, but like young players do, they take it too far. Um, and like veterans do, they know how to take advantage of those situations, and and those situations do lead to mistakes. Uh, and Saka, as young as he is, um, I don't know, he might uh, the as young as he is, he is a veteran, right? He thinks like a veteran, um, and and he's a leader of this team. He's stepped up this season tremendously, certainly from the Community Shield. I, I think he's he's just on another level right now. Uh, hopefully, he's okay. Uh, he didn't train this week. We don't know if that was precautionary for rest. Um, or or not so so keep an eye on that um but yeah you know i i gotta say like watching this game it looked like 2-2 seems felt like a fair result but spurs scored on like it wasn't they these weren't like systemic goals right um and 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 there's the and spurs are changing as well we don't know how madison's injury is um you know, both Saka and Madison played after they were injured, so so we'll see if, if it's manageable. But if, if Madison is out, Madison has been at the heart of everything Spurs is doing. Um, so if Madison yeah. is out, we don't know how that's going to change. I have to be honest, if, if Giovanni Lo Celso comes in there, um, he's a bit of a different player from Madison. He likes to dribble. He, he likes to penetrate lines with the dribble. He likes to get in the box with trickery. Um, he could be an, an, like definitely an asset for the watch list. Um but but then, additionally, the, the the nine and the left, the front three kind of situation, the two wings and the nine. I think that's a situation very much in flux. Um, I don't think Kulusevski is built for this team. I, um, I every every time I see him, it looks awkward. He's still doing some good things, but um, but I think that's a position they can upgrade. And then I don't know if Son's going to play the the left or the nine or or when when or if Rich, Richarlison comes back. So. The Spurs are very much in flux, especially with this Madison injury. Okie dokie. All right. Well, let's keep going. You've got a tiny crackle, Gabe. It's not much, but there's a tiny crackle there. Um, Brighton against Bournemouth, uh, Lucian. Um, let's have a look at that one. And uh, probably chief rank wreckers for me this year, this week, certainly were Brighton. I think uh, the, the uh, what was it, the Stupinian assist for Mitoma? Just about sent my rank into complete tailspin as usual. Um, whenever they do, whenever they return, I'm dead. 
Um, Brighton 2.04 x net xg against Bournemouth 1.28. I really liked Brighton's fixture difficulty. I think fixture difficulty had this one pretty much nailed, apart from the fact it didn't see a Brighton goalkeeper cock up, which basically gave Solanke a goal, who I have to say, I mean, he seems to be on the, the right end of things, but he's actually got 80% involvement in everything that Bournemouth's done this year. But he's massively overperforming, um, probably because people keep giving the ball to his feet 30 yards out with no goalkeeper or 20 yards out with no goalkeeper. But anyway, over to you. Yeah, I was actually about to say that 80% of four goals is not a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the problem with Bournemouth, isn't it? It's still 80%, Brad. Yeah. Uh, their best playmaker right now is their counter press. They've, like, I think it was on like the 60th minute or so where they swapped both their wingers, Tavernier and Clivert, for Watara and Semenyo. That is really the story of their season so far. The wingers chop and change and they don't score any goals. And instead, it's the central midfielders, Billing and Christie, that are doing the hard yards. But I think uh, there were no notes on Bournemouth this game. And the focus was on Mitoma. 1v1 against Kirkesh or whoever. The unfortunate thing is that, well, <laughs> Mitoma never got the chance to run 1v1 because Mitoma, surprisingly, did not play wide. The moment he came on for Ferguson and Buononote, Fatih and Mitoma both actually crowded the left half space, whereas Estupinian stayed wide. So this is going to be an interesting development. I don't know whether this is a one-off or whether Mitoma is going to repeat this trick because last game, I think against Newcastle, was it? He stayed really close to Ferguson. So Mitoma might not be that winger that we all love, you know, going 1v1 against the Mado and such. He is a potential goal scorer now. And that might actually make him fixture proof for future games. That's all I can say. Mm, wonderful. And I don't own him. I'll say that they have got a couple of tough fixtures coming up, I suppose. Um, Gabe, how's your sound? Are, you, are, we, are we getting back there, I think? Um, from the perspective of this, again, I mean, Brighton just keep doing Brighton things, don't they? They're spreading the assists around, but of course, it's the same old players. Mitoma seems to be now involved in an awful lot of what they do. Um, do you have any Brighton assets in your team, in your uh, wildcard chip? No, precisely because of the fixtures, I, you know, I was going to wait until... How, how's my sound? Is it better now? Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, I, yeah, I was, I was going to wait on... Um, I was going to wait a few game weeks to bring to bring Brighton players in. Um, you know, it, it brightens... They're an interesting team. You know, they, they've played six six games. They've... In four of them, they've either won or lost 3-1. And in two of them, they won 4-1. Which is only yeah. two two different well I guess three different results um given that they lost one game three one so but but yeah Matoma um that more central position for Matoma and this is an interesting development to play kind of like Fatih almost as an inside left forward maybe is is Lucian like what what's what's Fatih's role here that that's I I don't understand that yet. The overloads. It's purely to play on the overloads because oh, Bournemouth, yeah, Bournemouth was stretched laterally, really, really stretched. Like left to right, they had so much space between their central midfielders and their wingers that even Brighton's central midfielders, Dahoud 
and whoever that played in central midfield basically bombed forward and occupied that role. So, yeah, it was just purely to have three players in the same space, knocking triangular passes to one another. I mean, all the more, so, all the more so, yeah. impressive guys. So, sorry, I was going to say all the more impressive guys. You've got Go Gross injured. You've got Penciso injured. You've got March out team as well. They're still doing what they're doing, even with these, you know, but, they've got depth here. No, I see. I would I would disagree with that a little bit. They they have on it. They have continued their level with with some of these subs. But in this game, it didn't work out that way. They I, I Brighton were awful at the beginning of the game, and it wasn't really until they uh, un, until that Sadly made brought his players back in that they really started to dominate. But one one thing I'm noticing kind of in in all of these slides is that the the net xg has been quite close in 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 several of these. If we look at this one, you know, Brighton. Let's just like two one right throw an own goal in there for Bournemouth and you have a 3-1 Brighton win here, which which was the score. So um I, I think on on the statistical front, I wonder if we're getting like um a little bit more regularity and if we can start trusting the stats a little bit more as as we head into future analyses. It's it's hard to say, isn't it? Because you've you've answered it two ways because someone could some some bright spark in the chat could say you're 33% out. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I'm afraid you know, that's the way it is. It's, it's such tiny. The thing is about this game, and this is the reason why I get so pissed off with it this year because I'm on the wrong side of all this variance. It's so tiny. Uh, I mean, just to get within it, I think what you're saying is just to get within a goal, you know, sometimes is you know, and get the right result, even get the right, even just even just the right uh ratio, even is is halfway to being actually uh onto something these days because. There's so many variables out there, and there's so many mm -hmm. shit decisions as well, and so many, well, and so much variance. I don't think I've ever seen so much mm -hmm. variance in a in the start of the season as I've seen this year. Um, anyway, just whilst I'm still exuding my disappointment and how badly I've started somewhere, around. but anyway, there we go. Um, let's uh, let's have a look at Chelsea against Aston Villa, Lucian. Um, hmm. uh, Gabe's net XG again wasn't a million miles out. 1.14 for Aston Villa against 1.41 for Chelsea, but he got it the wrong way around. So he didn't get the ratio right this time. Um, neither did I. Uh, fixed difficulty thought Chelsea were going to do it because I think Aston Villa, generally speaking, have been break away from home. However, Chelsea are basically a busted flush by the books of things. Um, Lucian, um, has Posh been sacked yet? I, I don't think it's going to be long. I, 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 in a sense, I don't know whether it's right to, because it's only six games in, but they're poor. They're poor at the moment. Yeah, I mean, Matt Steele's injuries are key players. <laughs> I think the yeah, fact that, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, he'll be given benefit of the doubt. But the more disappointing thing <clears throat> is that Pochettino has not shown signs of establishing at least an advantage over other players like all of the all of the chances here were so individualistic that i cannot say that whatever you see now is going to be repeated next game it is that bad because mm. there is just literally no synergy even the big chance that sterling had before gusto got sent off right it's just one long ball forward from tiago silva and sterling's bearing down on goal it really is that simplistic at the moment. I think 
Mudrik is showing some spark because he's at least forcing Jackson to run beyond the back line. So until that left side comes good, everything is going to be like purely based on matchup. If you can identify perhaps a Chelsea strength against, who are they up against next? Fulham? I can't even remember because I've sold all my yeah, Chelsea players. So. <laughs> yeah. If you can identify Sterling against Kastan or Modric against Robinson, okay, you know, you might hold them for that, but Jackson, you have no reason to hold Jackson anymore. Like, the finishing is just not there. He's just taking shots from way too rash positions and timings. But anyway, let's talk about more interesting things. Ollie Watkins, the slide said that he would be a provider instead of a converter, and that was sort of 75% correct. He set up DRB multiple times, and his goal just came from the fact that he took a shot, it got blocked, it came back to him, and he took a shot again. So, I mean, fair play. Ollie Watkins is that kind of player. He's been that kind of player for years. So we just move on from there. It was almost written the stars that Watkins would score, Gabe. Um, it was about time, probably. Um, he's now looking at the numbers. Um, him and Diaby are basically neck and neck now for involvement. It's basically them two. But then you've got Matty Cash sat behind him and then uh, Luke Dean. So it just seems like those two and then the uh, then the wingbacks, quite frankly. That seems to be the only places where the involvement seems to be coming from with Aston Villa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I... I... I'm happy to move on. I, I brought Diaby in, doing so well. Watkins hasn't scored in I don't know how many games. And, of course, Diaby blanks and Watkins scores. So, fuck Charles, fuck Villa right now. <laughs> At least he's cheap. No, but right. I, 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 honestly, as, as, as a – just really quickly, as a Diaby owner, I, I am I am happy. I, I am happy with that pick. I'm happy I got him. He is – I think he is still more the um, – the, the finisher more than Watkins or XGI might, might be quite similar. But again, like Lucian said, Watkins did provide for him. He didn't put it away in this one. Um, I think Diaby's a f- fantastic pick moving forward. Yeah, I'm just being put right. Douglas Lewis is in there as well. I think it's because he's on penalties, right? Um, yeah, he's there, but he's mm. similar with Matt Cash. Um, but yeah, I mean, it looks to be, I mean, the other two have got doubly involvement, quite frankly, doubly involvement. Watkins and Diaby, doubly involvement for everybody else. Yeah, the Villa. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool, West Ham. Uh, bloody hell. <laughs> that we knew this. What a goal, Gabe. You can't, you can't, you, you can't say anything else about that. That was a good goal. Uh, mm. uh, <laughs> you can't. I'm sorry. Um, I, net XG for Liverpool, 2.06. Okay. Um, West Ham, 1.32. I'll say that for tomorrow then. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Um, fixed people too. Obviously, Liverpool loved it. They love it. They love them. They love them. Loves Liverpool. It's hardly surprising because Liverpool are at home. They're not very good away from home. Uh, and of course, Salah got his return. That's home again. It always does. Jared Bowen got his returns again. Liverpool don't keep clean sheets, Lucian. And um, 3 1. I think I could have nailed that score to the mast last week. And well, yes, I expected it. What's your what's your take on it? <laughs> well, I'm gonna start with the slides. Uh things that we expected. Nunes and Diaz up top as a duel. Yes, big thumbs up there because not only can Darwin and Diaz interchange position, they can both interchange roles. Nunes can be finisher one in one attack and he can be provider in another, whereas Diaz can do vice versa. I think the more interesting thing here that we didn't expect was Salah's new position. 
as the striker that's like way narrow. Um, I don't know how they're going to move forward with this, but yeah, Salah being extremely advanced, like he was literally sitting between centre-back and Emerson receiving the ball so much that, I mean, I hope he just retains that position. Same thing with Jeroboam. It's very rare that you see Jeroboam in central positions receiving balls moving forward. But I think that's one thing about West Ham that we've come to know and love this season. They take one simple thing, right? And they just bash it again and again and again and again and again. And, again. and in this case, they basically run down the flanks and they cross. So early on, uh, Sufal down the right side crossed a lot for Antonio, for Bowen, for, for Suchek even. And then they swapped. Paqueta went down the left and he crossed. And he crossed for Antonio, for Suchek, for Bowen. It's the exact same thing. So that's what West Ham do. And that's what we love about West Ham. That's about it. Uh, and that's why we're now going to just briefly touch on West Ham in this last fixture as well. Because guess who's up next? <laughs> Sheffield United. Can, I, can I, when I? I'd like. I'd yes, like a word on, very uh, on Liverpool. If I, very quick. Yes. But, but Liverpool's an important team. I think we should talk about them, right? Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah. Like the the slide said, like um, you know, Nunez and Diaz on that left side. It is. It was nice to see them interchanging roles. Um, but you said that this the Salah thing was unpredictable. But it's also mentioned in the slides, right? We, we've we've noticed how he's turned from provider to goal scorer, goal scorer as and, and I think the slide says that at least on the thread, as his position has come more and more central, and that's why it's the return of the king. That's why Salah is so important. So so I think I think the slide kind of um, nailed nailed Liverpool there, and and really underscores why like Salah is so important to. I, I think I really think he is important to get in. Um, but now with that Nunez-Diaz partnership forming, if that holds and, and Jota is the new Nunez on the bench, um, then those with like a, an Edward injury or something like that, I, I think I think Nunez could be a, um, you know, a really nice option if if that if that transition continues or holds. If I dare. If I dare, I think is more to the point. Anyway, going on to what I was saying, just to try and just uh, close out before the hour chats, if we can, as always. Sheffield United against Newcastle. Okay, eight separate goal scorers um, for Newcastle. Um, three assists for Trippier and a clean sheet, four returns. Uh, monster hole, thank God. Uh, double return for Gordon. Double return for Longstaff. Isak off the bench just to really hack me off as well. NetXG didn't get it, Gabe. Pitch difficulty didn't get it. Nothing got it. This was nothing to do with pitch. This was nothing to do with data. This was all to do with what happened on the pitch at the time. Lucy, over to you. I'm going to say one good thing about the wheelie bins. And if you can look among the traffic cones for the name tags, right, you look for James McAtee. He is officially out of position as Cameron Archer's second striker partner. Um, one day, Sheffield United will become interesting. One day. Could be November, could be January, but James McAtee is the guy to look for. Um, that's a watch list worthy note. But beyond that, Callum Wilson gets chances. He scored one, he missed two. Uh, what else do I have? Ah, yes. I think there is this suspicion now that uh, Newcastle will roll with this midfield for Premier League games and save Tonali and Joel Linton for the Champions League games. I think that's downright reasonable. So 
The question comes down to, we, if we assume that Longstaff plays on the right and Anderson plays on the left, who will benefit? And the answer so far is Anderson and Anthony Gordon on the left side. That's starting to turn into a really good partnership, not a triangle because Dan Byrne is just, you know, as Chris said, tin man, right? Um, but yeah, Anderson and Gordon are doing wonderful things. And once in a while, you know, Longstaff will join in from the right side. Once in a while, Almiron will also join in from the right side. But everything is happening down that Newcastle left. And on top of that, the Harvey Barnes injury is going to make things a lot more certain on that left side as well for Anthony Gordon. So yeah, he's got all those yeah. going for him. It's also certainly on four yellow cards, which get pointed out to me the other day, which really pissed me off because I was literally hovering over a transfer immediately. I saw Renault Harvey Barnes injury. I thought, right, that's it. I've got to be on this before Gabe is because it, it'd be straight in on this one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gabe, a Newcastle's numbers, I'll be very fast, and then we'll re- quickly rattle through this one. 22 shots, 15 on target, mm-hmm. 17 in the box, nine big chances, 5.15 XG against 0.24 XG. I think I would describe that as a annihilation. And an and an aberration. Like there's a, like Lucien sent me a, a text this morning. He's like like when he's doing the analysis for for this match, he's like sifting through the noise. When you get a score like that, when you get stats like that, there's a lot of noise there. <laughs> like uh, these these aren't things like they're not going to come out and do the same thing next week, right? So <laughs> even in this good run of fixtures, so there's a lot of noise there, but there's also a lot of insight. There's also a lot of insight, like like Lucien said, uh, the Anderson Gordon um, partnership on on that left hand side. Um, now that now that Gordon's nailed there, it is shame a shame he has four yellow cards. I would have had, might have had him on my wild card if he didn't. Lucien and I did talk about Gordon for a little bit. Um, thankfully, I didn't I didn't go uh, against my bias and I stayed away from Harvey Barnes. Yeah, you're crackling again, just briefly. Uh, okay, um, I mean, there's one question here. Um, is is this going to go down that left hand side uh, instead of uh, instead of Gordon? Um, he can also play there, I suppose. But Isak, I think, has been man- his minutes have been managed apparently, according to Eddie Howe, because apparently he's got a knock. So I think Gordon's pretty nailed from my perspective. Calm, uh, I think. Um, right, gentlemen, thank you very much. Let's whiz through this. The remaining thing, the mini league for the free the free mini league still open. HUP sixty nine D. The other one is closing now because we said we were going to close it after game week six um i just need to switch it off um but yeah from that one uh, is still there and of course we have our usual gang of haulers super haulers david harrison zach haverboy danny bought greenback golf uh, greenback golf fpl robbie then we've got dread fpl craig partner kevin rose Connor hunt uh Donny fpl uh oscar Arias, fpl teacher i'm trying to read this uh blonde escott uh william tom gossett the mirage lindsio uh, FPL DG Boy, Akshay, uh, Dom, Claire FPL, Catherine, uh, William, uh, Harry Duncan, uh, Neil, Sebastian Ku, Benjamin Lockwood, FPL, Ricky Neils, Nick Khan, Big Mike, is it? I think uh, FPL Discomfort, General Zod, I think a few of these have been in here tonight, uh, both Steve Preachers, Jack M, FPL Planner, uh, James, no, James, sorry, Jamie Baker, uh, Brett M, uh, Pai, uh, Cracky, I can't read that, Pai Hong Tan, and was it is that Mark Bond? And then we've got L Ron, Lucid again, hello again, Lucid, uh Bill California, thing what Ron Frost and Mike Bork. Gentlemen, as always, thank you so much. 
we will get out of here on the hour, as always. We cannot fail. I am determined to get us out there. So we will see you all tomorrow. We will see you tomorrow, Gabe, hopefully with no crackle because it's still there. And Lucien, <laughs> thank you so much, my friend, as always. And we will see you tomorrow, everybody. Take care. Bye. <laughs>